This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, it is time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's keep talking about this, uh, the, the, the insanity we saw in the oh, streets yeah. of uh, the Granville Entertainment District on Saturday night with this machete attack. And we talked about that earlier on the show. Lots of calls, including from the mayor of Vancouver, from Kennedy Stewart, who earlier had been saying, oh, the city's safe. Crime is actually going down. Now he seems to be sort of changing his, his approach on it. Well, it's gonna... Calling on the province to do more. Yeah. As Amanda from the dining room brings in our cheese scone and toast, this is great to start on Monday. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting whether or not uh, his rivals for the mayoral uh, chair, Colleen Hardwick and Ken Sim, notably, uh, can exploit this issue and make it uh, the ballot box issue in the October 15th mayoral election. Can one of them benefit? I mean, I, crime's emerging uh, as prob- arguably the top issue, uh, top of mind for voters right now. I mean, housing affordability is always going to be a big issue, but suddenly crime is suddenly elbowing its way to the top where you see these horrific incidents um, on a seemingly recurring basis. And whether Kennedy Stewart's vulnerable to that, I think he is. Yeah, I think so too. But of course, he's got that splintered opposition, right? So, but this, if it's splintered on the left-right question, but when it comes to crime, it might not be so splintered. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting whether that becomes a defining issue. And as you say, Stewart seems to be changing his messaging. Yeah, he seems to be getting a little sort of a more of a tougher, tougher on crime approach, or at least calling on other levels of government to do something about it. Uh, you know, he's, ta- he's talked about the feds needing to step in as well. Well, I, I'm not sure it helps his cause to say it's someone else's problem yeah. to solve. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are saying, you're the mayor, you know, step up here. Uh, it's, again, Kenny Stewart, beginning of the pandemic, he was the mayor who stood out more than any other saying it's up to other governments to help Vancouver. No one else is really making that case. And I don't think that makes a strong position for, for someone in the mayor's chair. I think he's got to be a little more proactive. Okay, provincial element on this, too. We've got David Eby poised to be the next premier, of course, the former attorney general. Kevin Falcon, the new leader of the Liberal Party here, pointing a finger at him, saying this crime wave that we're seeing is, is Eby's fault with a weak justice system. Have a listen to Falcon here and a message he put out on Twitter the other day. Well, Stats Canada has released some numbers today, and it's certainly not favourable for British Columbia. Crime in BC is up 31% since the NDP formed power. This is unacceptable, but it's a direct result of David Eby and the NDP's catch and release program that sees criminals, especially prolific offenders, being released back into the community often on the same day they're arrested. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's a good issue for the Liberals to exploit, you know. Um, it's not EB's catch-and-release program. There's a lot of federal government uh, jurisdiction at play here. And you've heard EB talk about uh, that as well. But he's he had been the AG. He's now about to become Premier. He's going to have a lot of things at his feet. And look for Kevin Falcon to continue to push this issue and mention David EB in every second sentence. Sure, and I think EB, I think, quite clearly realizes that mm-hmm. this is an area where the Liberals will be attacking him. Have a listen to what he said to me here on crime and disorder. This is EB on last week's show. Have a listen. Obviously, um, there's a great opportunity for government to uh, to do a couple of things on the gang side to increase our work around 
uh, money laundering and seizing the assets of these gangs. That's what they're fighting over. They're fighting over turf and profits and reduce the attraction to youth. And in situations of disorder, it's not just on the downtown east side. We have challenges in Terrace, uh, in, uh, in Trail, and other smaller communities on a much smaller scale, but still uh, mental health and addiction treatment, and also uh, making sure that we have places for people to go inside uh, and uh, so that we can give them an alternative to, to being out on the street. But it was interesting that he kind of ta- starts with money laundering there. Yeah. It, it kind of an effort to try and turn it back on the libs a little bit, too. Uh, I suppose. I'm not sure how effective that's going to be. But again, uh, a lot of this comes down to mental health. And it's as we saw on the horrific events on Saturday night, you, someone with a mental health problem, uh, drug addiction issues, put them in an SRO on an entertainment strip. That's not uh, solving that mental health situation for that person. Well, I mean, we take a look at some of the housing disputes we're having in the city right now, like particularly that Arbutus mm-hmm. development that had a lot of people up in arms and angry in Kitsilano, 13-story development. Some of the residents in there would be people with mental health and drug issues. And a lot of people have been saying, wait a minute, you're going to move the problems of the downtown east side into this otherwise stable neighbor, relatively stable neighborhood. EB supports that project, right? Mm-hmm. But remember, though, it's supposed to be yeah, a 13-story social housing project with supports. It's supposed to have these so-called wraparound services. So people aren't there just left on their own. Well, there's supposed of, to be people there supposed to be people there helping. Supposed to be. And that's there's a lot of doubts whether that was actually gonna come through, which is a yeah. big reason for the opposition. I wonder whether we're gonna at some point revisit the whole Riverview idea where there is one big center uh and reinstitutionalize people rather than deinstitutionalize. I mean deinstitutionalize was all the rage for well more than a decade, twenty years now. Uh <clears throat> and it's not working because the supports aren't there. Yeah, okay, this is one we're look we're covering closely on the show. Get set to call me on that one. Let me ask you uh, just to wrap up here for the break. Uh, you're a big baseball fan. Oh yeah. And and so am I and um I thought it was interesting that Pete Rose showed up at, in Philadelphia at a Philadelphia Phillies game. Now, you know, he's famous of course for playing for the Cincinnati Reds, but of course he, he played, played for the Phillies. Played for the Phillies Expos. too. And uh, yeah, the Expos too. So this was a uh, an anniversary gathering of uh, Philadelphia Phillies players. Rose was there. He was introduced to the crowd. He kind of got a smattering of of boos, but a lot of applause too. And a lot of the questions continue to revolve around him. This guy's the greatest hitter of all time, arguably. Um, not in the Hall of Fame, right? Should well, he be in the, the Hall, Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame membership is always an interesting debate. It's very subjective. Uh, he's excluded Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, uh, Sammy Sosa because of performance enhancing drugs, steroids that they use. But if you go back early in the day, if you know your baseball history, many of the first inductees were terrible racists. I mean, Ty Cobb, again, arguably the greatest. Uh, singles hitter of all time, was a, just a terrible racist person. And a lot of people in baseball were. I mean, they uh, African-Americans weren't allowed to play until Jackie Robinson finally broke the color barrier. There were many racists in baseball, as there were in other major sports, as there were in society, uh, who were able to still be in the Hall of Fame. So, okay, it's okay for that. Is it, I'm not defending Pete Rose or Barry Bonds or Mark McGuire. I'm just pointing out there is a, a subjectiveness to this that it's not it's not very clear-cut who should be in the Hall of Fame and who should not be. Okay, let's listen to a little Pete Rose here because he did some interviews here during this appearance I'm in not, Philadelphia. I'm not a Pete Rose fan. Well, you know, I mean, the guy was a great ball player. You got to give him that. But, I mean, the gambling, he also has a, uh, an accusation of sexual misconduct hanging over. Here's Pete Rose on the Hall of Fame. Let's have a listen. 
If I don't, it's my fault. I made the mistakes. Okay. But I'm kind of over it. If, and I'm not belittle in the Hall of Fame. I would love to. I'd be the happiest guy in the world at the Hall of Fame if I could give up in front of those players and give a speech. But uh, I've been suspended 32 years. You know, uh, guys don't go to prison for 32 years now. I'm kind of over it. You understand what I'm saying? I learned to live with it. Okay, so the gambling is one thing. Of course, he was banned by baseball for betting on baseball. And I always thought that he should have been let into the, into the Hall of Fame despite, despite the gambling accusations. Now, though, in 2017, uh, allegations surfaced that he had a sexual relationship with an underage female in the 1970s. There was a, a court case, an, a, a, a lawsuit lodged mm-hmm. against him. Uh, you know, that is that to me is a, a, a serious situation. But I don't know in the Hall of Fame or not. What do you think? I don't think he's ever going to get in. But do you think he should be in? Um, it, you know, I go back and forth on this thing because, again, because of the the terrible wrongs committed by some of the people in the Hall of Fame yeah. years ago, which I think dwarf the, some of the allegations. I'm not sure about the sexual misconduct one, but yeah. the the gambling. Uh, I just don't think that's necessarily a lifetime ban type of thing. Yeah. I think if you compare it to some of the other uh, positions players had on certain other issues, I don't think that's as serious as one. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, Keith Baldry is my guest. It's Baldry's Beat. Phone lines are open. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Rob in Maple Ridge. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Hi. How you doing? Good. Good. Um, I believe Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame because it's not the job or responsibility of the Baseball Hall of Fame to make those sorts of judgments about people. Um, that's over-functioning. Um, it's an institution. It's not a personal It's not a personal. Um, institution. Should Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire be in? Are those the people that use drugs? Yes. Yeah, no, they shouldn't because what they did enhanced their capabilities and it could be those drugs mm-hmm. that were responsible for them achieving those records or whatever yep. they achieved so no of course not that's that's cheating but what pete rose did outside of baseball is irrelevant as far as the baseball hall of fame goes it's not irrelevant as far as society goes but that's not the job of the hall of fame yeah that's over functioning thank, thank you for the call. argument and i think people do differentiate between Bonds and McGuire using performance-enhancing drugs that were banned that affected the outcome of ball games. Right. Pete Rose's gambling, there's no evidence that affected the outcome of any ball game. He didn't bet against his own team. Well, that's, he didn't that's the throw way, a game. That's the one I always thought, okay, if he had bet against his own team, I mean, okay, I think that's... Yeah, what he did is point. different he, he than... He bet on his own team. What the notorious Black Sox did in the 1919 yeah. World Series against the Cincinnati Reds, where they threw games on behalf of gamblers. That's not what Pete Rose did. George in Vancouver. Hi, George. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, thanks for taking my call. So, sure. uh, first, on the Mayor Stewart, uh, I'm a little bit choked that he's now suddenly 
had a come to Jesus moment on this crime thing. He was in the NDP caucus uh, for seven years uh, before he decided to move to Vancouver and run for mayor. Uh, he he also had meetings with Jagmeet earlier this year on the drug problem. And now he's finally realizing this catch and release issue is a problem. This has been going on for a long, long time, five, ten years minimum. So I'm glad to hear you and Keith are finally talking about the need to look relook at the institutionalization issue. Uh, that was a disaster. Uh, Kevin Falcon's written an article about that, and I thought it was a very sensible one, tracing it all the way back to the Socreds who, who started this off and, and continuing on. So uh, something, the crime issue is going to take some tough medicine, and I don't oh. know if any politicians are ready for that. As far as Pete Rose goes, uh, Keith talked rightly about the Black Sox scandal. Gambling has been a red line for baseball. It was known all the last number of decades, including Pete Rose. And for that reason alone, he should definitely not be allowed back into the hole. Well, it's a, it, thank, thank you for the call. It's interesting how most sports leagues now have adopted professional gambling yeah. and, and sports are, are now endorsing online yeah. gambling. Players are now the spokespeople for, for gambling bookies online. So yeah, the NFL has... NFL has two Hall of Famers, um, Alex Karras and Paul Horning, who were banned for one year back in the 60s for betting on football games. Oh. But they were still in the Hall of Fame. So it's uh, baseball it seems to have a unique rule here. And as for Kennedy Stewart and the mayor, like, you know, in fairness to him, has he changed his opinion? Or I think he's certainly changed his tone or what he's choosing to to emphasize in his comments, because if you recall earlier when he was asked about crime, he was, well, I feel safe yeah. in the city. When I walk down the streets of the city, I feel safe. Crime is actually going down. You don't really hear those talking points from Well, when it's the stats which keep coming out that four unprovoked attacks a day yeah. uh, hardly supports, oh, I feel safe arguments. So I think you're going to see Kennedy Stewart change his message and change his tone. Yeah. Steve and Burnaby. Hey, Steve, go ahead. Yeah, I was just calling uh, regarding they should uh, reopen Riverview and uh, get people the help they need in a quiet atmosphere like that and they can keep them for a long term and then put them into housing and put in mental health workers there to uh, watch and see what they're doing and help them out. And I do believe that it was uh, Falcon and Christy Clark that uh, closed the place down and they signed off on it saying it was decrepit, but the movie studios are using it nonstop all those buildings. I don't see what happened there. They wanted to redevelop it, but they couldn't because uh, First Nations had a say in it, and also all the uh, buildings are heritage, so they just uh, ousted out of there, figuring uh, they would have made money on it, but they couldn't get through. Steve, thank you for the call. Well, interesting if the B.C. Liberals push this argument. Do they go back to to institutionalization? Uh, is that going to be one of the dividing lines in the next provincial election? I think it's shaping up to be very well the case. We'll okay, see. Kevin Falcon will be on tomorrow's show, by no, the way. We can discuss that, that at the time. Rob in Chilliwack. Hey, Rob, go ahead. you got 30 seconds. Okay, thanks, Mike. So I just want to weigh in on the uh, crime in our province here. I'll tell you, uh, Dave, or, uh, David Eby lands on his feet squarely. 100% Kevin Falcon is right. My son is a police officer in the Valley here, and he will tell you that he's had people, you know, dead to rights. And, uh, you know, it, it's like crown. It's like, oh, well, you didn't dot the I, you didn't cross the T. Boom. They're out doing the same damn thing the next day or two. It's got to stop. We need some authority in the province. No one's, no one's scared of the authority anymore. No one's scared of the police. And, and maybe that's the wrong terminology. But we have to have 
law and order in our province, and we're going nowhere. Thanks, Mike. Okay, thanks for the call. Well, one of the most astonishing statistics I've seen in the last few months was when Shirley Bond, the former Liberal leader, produced this this case of someone in Prince George having 200, more than yeah. 200 police files, yeah. uh, 200 incidents requiring police intervention, not a single charge, right. not a single day overnight in custody, which is extraordinary. Keith, thanks for coming in.